Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana, and today we are doing part two in a four-part series that I have titled Navigating the Four Relationship Seasons. The whole premise of this is that if you look at you know, the development of an intimate relationship from, say, the beginning to the end is what I would call when you make some sort of lifelong commitment to one another, whether that's marriage or not, doesn't matter. But going from that beginning to that type of commitment, I think there are four phases a relationship goes through or four seasons. And each one of these seasons uh, has a particular there are some particular things that you need to pay attention to in order to see your relationship progress in a healthy way, right? In order for this relationship to take root and to grow and to be a a high-functioning, meaningful connection, it's going to go through these phases. But each phase, there are some things to pay attention to. There are some issues to face. And so, What we're doing is we're looking a little bit at each phase, hoping to equip you so that you can navigate each phase and maybe even identify where a relationship you might be in is right now. What phase are you in now? What should you be paying attention to? And so forth. Okay, so last week we laid the foundation by talking about the first phase. And really the first phase is called the preparation phase And really at that point, there is no relationship yet. You you haven't met this person yet, (laughs) right? You're not really in the relationship. You haven't met them via online dating or through the normal course of life. The first phase is really asking the question and facing the issues around, are you prepared for something real, right? And again, as I mentioned in that podcast, podcast number 70. Um, That's really what almost all of my work is about. I am totally convinced um, that the quality of our love lives, the the degree to which we connect with someone in healthy, sustainable ways, it certainly is not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. It's it's about what's going on inside of you. You know what what issues are happening inside of you. What self sabotaging behaviors? What blind spots? What relationship issues do you need to work on within yourself so that you sort of come to the starting line of when you meet someone and you're really prepared to go the distance? Like if you're going to run a marathon, you want to be in shape. Otherwise, you're not going to go the distance. And so I could really say that the most important phase or season in any relationship is sort of the (laughs) preseason. 
you might say, right? It's what you do before the season begins, before the 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 team takes the field and gets out there and sorts to, you know, play against the other team. And it's what you do in the preseason, getting yourself ready for something real. And so I won't rehash any of that because we spent, uh, I think I identified four major things, four issues to look at to to find out if whether you are ready for something real. Now, one of the things I pointed out is that if you listen to that podcast and you still have some preparation work to do, that doesn't mean you have to stop dating someone or break up with someone or even, you know, take your profile down and, and you know, um, not date and not put yourself out there. No, not, 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 not at all. You can do the ongoing preparation work even while you're still dating, even if you're in a relationship with someone. In this sense, the preparation phase sort of never ends. <laughs> you're always sort of working on yourself. You're always waking up to how your personality can be influencing your relationship and you're in a relationship, you're always being triggered by something which gives you an opportunity to learn and grow about why things trigger you, how to handle those things. There are certain emotions and certain things that that only come to the surface when you're in a relationship. You, you sort of get, it's sort of like there's things that are dormant that are there, but you never know it <laughs> until someone begins to relate with you and they say something weird or they act in a strange way and it can bring out insecurity or jealousy or, you know, some sort of anger issue or something from your past, you know, gets brought up because they're pushing your buttons. So the preparation phase never really ends. <laughs> You're always learning and growing. But we did point out that there were there were three or four things that you should really be looking at to sort of declare yourself, man, I am ready to go. Like I am you know, like at a marathon, I'm ready to get on that starting line because I'm, I'm prepared to go 26.2 miles. Okay. But today we go into phase number two, which is the attraction phase. Okay. So that, the word itself kind of explains what this phase is all phase is all about. This is this is when you find yourself attracted to someone. These are all the issues around when you first meet someone, how to interact with them in that environment, understanding chemistry, understanding that connection, making sense of the attraction that you feel, what to do when you feel some attraction, but maybe, maybe it doesn't feel like it's enough, right? So there, there's a lot of issues that come up with when you start talking about attraction. I mean, like I just said, that's one of the major ones is how much attraction do I need to feel, right? Um, cause you could meet someone and say, yeah, they're good looking. I, I feel some attraction, but you know, it's not knocking my socks off. It's not, it's not that incredible feeling of, oh my God, I, you can cut the sexual energy with a knife. It's so thick, right? So people have a lot of questions about how much of that do you need? And 
you know, how much is not enough to where you should walk away. So I just want to point to, again, I got, I've got four things that I want to bring up that I think are issues that you should be keeping in mind when you, when you are going through this phase of the attraction phase, when you're kind of out and about and you're meeting people, whether it's online or through the normal course of life, I think there are four things to pay attention to. And the first one is, is you need to understand that there are, there are two kinds of attraction, okay? There's what I would call like healthy attraction. And, and then there's what I would call unhealthy attraction. You get a sense of that? Like just because you're attracted to someone doesn't mean that that's coming from the best part of you or the best place in you or that it's necessarily the healthiest type of thing. Take the attraction that many women have to the bad boy, right? Like that's real attraction. There's real sexual energy there, but it normally results in disappointment because the bad boy type usually is not that interested in a real intimate relationship. So you might feel lots of attraction, but it may not be the healthiest kind because you're attracted to someone who is sort of by definition emotionally unavailable. You follow me? So there's, you know, there's all kinds of things that, that there's all kinds of attraction. You, you know, someone who's an enabler, you know, can find themselves attracted to addicts and vice versa. I think you know my story of being, you know, I came out of my childhood with a persona, you know, that, that I call Roy the Rescuer or some of my books, I use the word Casanova, but, but basically what I took away from my relationship with my mother was that the way that you get the attention and affection of a beautiful woman is if you make your life be about taking care of hers. So for many, many years, decades, I showed up in the dating world as not the authentic Roy, but the Roy who was afraid that if I do not make my life be about taking care of a woman's, she would never want to be with me. So I was Roy the Rescuer. Now, Roy the Rescuer is going to attract Debbie the Damsel because rescuers need someone to rescue. Does that make sense? And a woman who's in a persona of a damsel in distress that, oh, my life is so overwhelming. Oh, I've got this challenge and I've got this busy job and I've got these kids and I can't handle and I'm falling apart and I need someone to... I need someone who's got a lot of money that can save me. I need someone who's going to love me in a way and step in and take some of these responsibilities off my hands. And, you know, when a person's in sort of a damsel in distress persona, they're going to attract someone who's willing to be a rescuer, right? It has to be that way. If you find yourself, like you, you can find yourself very, very attracted to narcissistic men or women, people that really do think the world revolves around them. They're just totally self-absorbed. They, you know, they only think about three people 
ever in their lives. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and yet people people do attract those types. They sometimes are attracted to those types. Narcissists can be very charming. Narcissists can be kind of very attractive people. Usually they can be quite successful in something. Um, and so people are attracted to people who are successful, have money, have achieved things. Um, but then you, you get into a relationship with them and there's problems. But if, if you find yourself attracted to narcissists, then you're probably showing up as some sort of you know, um, selfless person. And I mean that in a bad way, right? You, the narcissist overemphasizes themselves, right? They're overly self-absorbed. They, they think too highly of themselves or only of themselves. Well, they need a partner who thinks far less of themselves, who doesn't think about themselves, who doesn't think the world revolves around them. Right? I often make the joke that two narcissists could never be in the same relationship. They would beat the hell out of each other, fighting, fighting over who is this life about? No, it's about me. No, it's about me. No, it's about me. <laughs> right? The narcissist needs someone when they say life is about me, they need someone in their relationship to say, yes, it is. It is about you. I will make my life be all about you. Okay? So I'm giving you a little flavor that just because you feel chemistry, you know, just because there's like that baby, I want to tear off their clothes. That doesn't mean it's coming from something healthy. Do you get that? So the first point I'm making here is you should be suspicious of chemistry. Now, you need chemistry. I mean, I'm not saying you want to find a relationship, you know, with your brother or your sister. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that you don't want chemistry, yet you do want chemistry, but you should be a little suspicious. Is it the good kind of chemistry that can be a foundation for a healthy dynamic the rest of my life? Or is it juicy and thick chemistry? But is it coming from matching personas, matching wounds, you could say. So it's, it's not the healthy kind, which means it's, it's, it's not going to last. Relationships that start off with tons of energy and then fizzle out in three to six months. You know, it's not uncommon for me to talk to clients when I say, is there a pattern in your love life? And they would say, yeah, I have no trouble meeting men or women. In fact, you know, I've, I've felt the juice of that chemistry a bunch of times. Things are hot and heavy in the beginning. It's, it's incredible. It's fun. It's, it's enlivening. It's like, oh my God, I just can't wait to see them. But then they say after three, four, five, maybe six months, the relationship just fizzles out. It just, it doesn't go anywhere. Somebody disappears or someone says, I'm, I, I don't want to see you anymore. That is almost always a result of that initial chemistry was the unhealthy kind. Because if it was the healthy kind, 
then that wouldn't happen. There would be a continued interest. The relationship will develop and deepen. So there's not that initial first timeness, right? There's not the first time you're having sex. There's not the first time you're kissing each other. There's, you know, it's not the very beginning. So there, there is a normal evolution in a relationship where the initial, it's like buying a car, right? That new car smell is like really kind of cool and nice but it does wear off. But if you're in the right car, it's like no problem. It, you know, now this car feels like mine. It doesn't have the new car smell. It went through that phase, but I love my car. It's like, it's, it's great. But in a relationship, that new smell will wear off. But then what's left underneath it? If, if there's nothing really there, then when it wears off, one or both of you just want to go find someone else to feel that juice with because the unhealthy kind of chemistry doesn't last and it doesn't lay a foundation for a healthy dynamic that can last decades and maybe even the rest of your life. So if you take anything away from this podcast on the attraction phase, it should be to be suspicious of your chemistry. When you have those moments, you meet that person and it's like your whole body gets lit on fire, (laughs) right? Because if you have never felt that, man, I I sort of wish it for you. There's, there is, for those of you listening that have had that when you meet someone and the chemistry is off the charts, it, it really is one of the most exhilarating feelings in the world. It, It is just, I mean... It is so incredible. Um, But there's a lot of people that can report, yeah, I've had that with a couple different people, but it it ended up not going anywhere. So it is kind of a good feeling. It's like eating ice cream. You know, eat a lot of ice cream. Oh, man, it really feels good going down, but then I get fat. (laughs) You know what I mean? The chemistry is really, really great, but, uh, but the results you know, where it all, where it all ends me up that doesn't feel so good, right? So be suspicious of chemistry. So I've described a little bit of the unhealthy kind, the, the, it's called persona chemistry. The damsel is attracted to the rescuer. The rescuer is attracted to the damsel. The selfless person's attracted to the narcissist. The narcissist is attracted to the selfless person. The person that's got kind of a a nurse persona or a mechanic persona, they want to heal people, patch them up, put them back together. Or like the mechanic, you know, I want to fix you, you know, and help you put the pieces back together. When you're in a nurse or mechanic type of persona, you attract people who are wounded or broken down on the side of the road. Does it make sense? They need each other. They actually require each other. And they will feel incredible chemistry with each other. Like I was Roy the Rescuer when I met women that were damsels in distress. Holy crap. The chemistry was just incredible. But when I met a woman who was quite beautiful, but she didn't need rescuing, there was, it was like, you know what? I just don't feel that spark. I just don't feel whatever it is. I don't feel it. 
That's because your personas aren't matching. (laughs) But when the rescuer meets a damsel, when the narcissist meets the selfless person, it's like, oh my God, it's off the charts. But that's not the healthy kind. That ain't going to get you anywhere. And for almost all of us, and I want to say, if you're listening to this, unless you've done a lot of personal growth work, unless you really have identified what I call your relationship sabotaging persona, unless you know the fear-based way of relating that you have learned from your childhood, if you don't know that, if you don't know what your persona is, then all the chemistry you feel is persona-driven. It's only when you sort of know what you're inclined to do, what your persona is from your childhood. Once you know it, because you know it and you're aware of it, that's the only way that you can overcome it. If you don't know you're in a persona, it's running your life, even if you don't know it. But once you, once I was aware that I'm Roy the Rescuer, then I could really look at how does he behave? What does he say? What does he do? And I could, like I gave it a name and I could become so familiar with this way of relating that I could almost catch myself doing it. It's like, oh my God, I'm falling into that rescuer thing again. What I just said or what I'm doing or the way I'm relating, the way I'm showing up. Oh my God, I'm being Roy the Rescuer. But seeing it, gives me the opportunity to stop doing that, to relate from a healthier place instead of that fear-driven place. So if you don't really know what your relationship persona is, first of all, you should hire me. I mean, there's nothing more important to know than the false ways that you have learned to live and love, to get attention and affection, to feel like you get noticed and get approval and the ways in which you feel safe, right? A persona is a fear-driven way of relating that you learned very early. It's like, what kind of little boy did I need to be? What kind of little girl did you need to be early in life to feel safe, to satisfy your needs, or to be successful at something? If you can't name that the way I'm naming my persona, then you are probably in a persona And it is running your life and the chemistry that you feel is not going to last. But once you know it and you can begin to relate, you can sort of transcend the persona. Then it like it opens you up to the healthy kind of attraction, which is something that I call polarity chemistry. Polarity chemistry is simply the energetic attraction of opposite electrical charges. It's the masculine feminine, the pure attraction between those two arcs of energy. And I've spoke about this before, but you know that the masculine and feminine, we're not really talking about gender, okay? We're not talking, you know, not all men, are identified with the masculine, not all women are identified with the feminine. This is a little bit about what the trans people are trying to tell everyone, that just because I have a penis or a vagina doesn't mean energetically that I feel like my biological gender. 
and they're just wanting that to be honored and, and, and sort of noticed that their biology is one thing, but they don't feel that way and they want people to, to notice that and, and, and respect it, okay? By the way, I'm eventually going to do a podcast talking all about these gender identity issues, the trans issue, the binary, non-binary thing. There is a conscious perspective on this. There, there really is a way to understand all of those dynamics to where we can make peace with each other, where the right and the left can sort of come together and have an understanding and every be, everybody be able to live in, in a kind of a harmony without judging, without somebody trying to control the other group and demand this and then we fight over it. There really is a way to make peace with all that. And I hope to you know, give you my perspective on how, how, what that would look like um, sometime here in the new, near future. I think within um, five to six podcasts from this one, number 71, I'm probably going to touch on that. But either way, the healthy kind of chemistry is just based on the masculine or feminine energy that seems natural to you. Because it's the those 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 energies are quite opposite, and opposites attract. Now, you you always you can notice this always in in the universe. Like these are universal energies; they're not really about people. It's just in our humanity they show up. But the masculine and feminine are just energies in the universe. It's like there's there's a magnetic field around the Earth. There's the, not the North Pole and the South Pole, and there's an arc of energy around the Earth. And those are positive and negative electrical charges. And that's what I call masculine and feminine. When you plug something in the wall, it's got two prongs, right? There's a bigger prong and a skinnier thong, prong that creates this arc of energy that we call electricity. That's why sometimes we can say chemistry. It's like, oh, it's like an electrical charge in my body. Your battery in your car has got a red cable and a black cable, positive and negative, right? So we're not really talking about gender. We're talking about energies in the universe. Even if you, if you go outside at night and you look up in the sky, what you're going to see is lots of space and some stuff, stars, planets, moons. So the masculine is like the space. The feminine is like the stuff, you could say, right? So this is not the place to go into a full-blown explanation of the masculine feminine. It's just to say, when you get out of your persona, what you're left with is just your authentic masculine or feminine energy. It's unobstructed. It's, it's not warped by your childhood and about the things you learned as a little person and by your past and by your wounds and all that kind of stuff. It's just the pureness of who you are is available in the moment and you are able just to show up as the masculine or feminine creature that you are regardless of gender. And when that energy is displayed, when that energy is magnified, it attracts its opposite. So if you're identified with the feminine energy, what you want to do is, first of all, get rid of all the personas that you might have 
that are all the warped ways of creating chemistry that attract somebody else's persona and then you're in that kind of mess. You just want to kind of transcend your relationship persona and then just be in your authentic feminine self. And then the question is, how do I magnify that? Because the stronger the magnet, the more it pulls something toward it, right? So the more your feminine is strengthened and displayed unapologetically and beautifully, the more it attracts masculine creatures. And it's the same way, vice versa. Once a person um, will say man, even though it's not that way, but once a guy gets rid of his relationship personas like I did, like the work I had to do, what's left is just Roy. It's just the authentic Roy who's a masculine creature. And now if I can magnify my presence, if I can be space in the world for a feminine creature, right, then I just, I just become attractive to feminine creatures and vice versa. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's enough on this first issue of persona chemistry and polarity chemistry. If you want to learn more about this, I would refer you to podcast number four and podcast number 48, okay? I go into the persona chemistry, polarity chemistry in a much more deep way uh, in those two podcasts, all right? Now, second issue that I think you need to pay attention to uh, in this season of a relationship, the attraction season is sort of what are you, how are you going to play it in the first 10 minutes, right? Like, how are you going to show up in that initial time that you are meeting someone? Maybe you meet them via online dating, it's your first date. Maybe you bump into someone at the post office or like I've mentioned before, I met my wife at a personal growth conference, right? There's always going to be the, the, first, the first 10 minutes, of a relationship. Those first 10 minutes, I maintain, sort of set the tone for how the whole relationship is going to play itself out. I believe those first 10 minutes are incredibly important. It's a little bit like a train. Like once a big ass long train gets moving in a direction, it's really difficult to turn that baby around. It's hard to stop it. There's a momentum to it, right? It's the same way. The way you start a relationship, it puts it on a set of tracks. It's hard to turn it around. Okay, and I'm going to say more about that in a minute. But that's, I want you to really think about how are you going to play it in the first 10 minutes? Now, here's what I would suggest to you. There are two basic inner motivations that come up in those first 10 minutes. You're either going to show up and behave and in what you say and what you do and the whole, the whole way that you interact with this person when you're first meeting them. You're either going to be motivated by fear or by trust. If you look really closely in terms of maybe past relationships when you met someone for the first time, you were either 
underneath everything, you were coming from a place of fear or you were coming from a place of trust. Now, let me flesh that out what it means. When you're coming from fear, you're going to play those first 10 minutes the way pretty much every dating coach in the world is going to tell you to do it. It's going to be the way in which almost every online dating attraction course that you can take, and there's plenty of them out there that, you know, teach men, you know, how to, how to attract women, you know, how to approach them, kind of what to say, what to do. And there's plenty of trainings for women on, you know, how to be attractive or how to, how to interact or should you initiate or not. There's plenty of that stuff out there. And 99% of it, when you look at it closely, it's coming from fear. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is you are going to say or do or behave or respond in a way that your mind says, what do I need to do to get this person to like me? I, I, I want them to be interested in me. I, I want to make a connection because they're attractive. They're, they're interesting, right? I, I, I'm, I'm meeting them for the first time and I can feel that there's something important possible here. Right? If you're meeting someone, you have no physical attraction, you have no interest in them you know, whatsoever. They're 50 years older than you. You, know, you. you meet the guy, there's a guy at the grocery store who's bagging your groceries you know, and he's 74 and you're 34. Right? And there ain't nothing happening there. So it, 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 nothing really comes up. But it's when you meet someone, it's like, ooh. <laughs> you, know, it's like ooh. you know, like there's something at stake here. This, this you know. You're, you're either – everything that you do is going to be coming from love or fear. And if it's fear, you're going to be thinking about, okay, what do I need to say? How do I say it? What do I reveal? What don't I? How, like in other words, how do I play the game? When you're coming from fear, you're thinking about, do I have any game? How do I play the game? Right? How do I flirt to do this? You know, I don't want to come on too strong, but I, you know, I don't want to come on like I'm not interested. And you're going to have all those kind of questions, right? I, I one time talked to someone who was just totally committed to playing the game that when they met someone, if they found them really attractive and they were really interested in them, oh, they wouldn't, I would never say that to them. You can't do that. You, you got to act like you don't like them. You got to act like you're, You've got a lot going on in your life. You don't, you don't want them to know that you are like a piece of fruit, just ripe for the picking, <laughs> right? So that, all of that is coming from fear because you're saying, if I, if I did let them know that I'm ripe for the picking, if, if that is true, um, well, that might turn them off. That might chase them away. So do you see the fear in that? You're, you're deciding to play the game because you need a game in order to get what you want because you're scared. So you have to control the thing. You, you have to figure out what to say and what to do to get the responses you want to sort of get this person interested. So they ask for your number or when you ask for their number, they're going to give it to you. Okay. So in those first 10 minutes, regardless of what actually happens, the most important thing is to pay attention to where, where, where is my heart? Where is it coming from? 
Okay? Because if you start the relationship by playing some sort of game, and I'm telling you, that's what almost everybody does. It's, in other words, when I describe to you the other way, then you'll know, oh, okay, well, if that's what he means by the other way, then, oh my God, yes, I've been doing the fearful driven thing and so is everybody else. And yes, every other dating coach and dating expert, unless they're really into consciousness and mindfulness, you know, they're just teaching me how to play the game better. I think I've said this before. There are two kinds of relationship coaches or advisors or dating coaches. There's, there's two kinds. Those who teach you how to play the game better. And then there are a, a couple of us who challenge the game altogether. So I'm not interested in teaching you how to play the game, how to tell men, oh, you need to be cocky and funny. You, you need to act as if you're not really interested because then that drives women crazy. I was just watching uh, an episode of Stranger Things. <laughs> and there, if you've seen it, it's great. It's a great um, show on Netflix. And if you've seen it, I think like in season two, one of the characters is talking to like a 13-year-old boy because he's starting to get interested in this girl. And, and, and the older guy is got, you know, he's got great hair. He's good looking. You know, he, he's, he's successful with the ladies. So the 13 year old is kind of wanting some, you know, how can I be, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get interested in women and, and girls. And, and he basically tells him, don't ever let him know that you like him. You got to act like you're not interested. <laughs> and he says, that drives them crazy. And then, you know, then they really get drawn to you. And then you feel that moment right? That chemistry. Um, and then that's when you pounce, right? Well, that moment of chemistry is just fear-driven persona garbage, right? But that's the way everybody's going to tell you to do it, is some version of that. Be a certain way. Behave a certain way. Say certain things. Don't say certain things. Don't act certain ways. They're, they're going to teach you how to play the game better. Not me. I'm challenging the game altogether because if you start the relationship that way and if the other person responds to it, then that means, you know, the law of attraction, like attracts like. You're playing a game, which means they're playing a game. And now you're in a gamey relationship. You want that? Because I'm here to tell you, if that's how the relationship starts, by trying to manipulate and control and present an image and say this or do that or act this way, right? And the other person's responsive to it because they are in the same way. They're acting that they're playing their persona, their role, okay? It's really hard to all of a sudden stop that way of relating and now, and now really come to each other from authenticity, because authenticity is the opposite of playing the game, right? So most of us want the authentic, open, honest. Most of most, If I said, do you want a relationship that's based on games? You would say, hell no, man. I don't want to be in some gamey relationship. Well, I'm telling you, if you start it that way, that's what you're going to get. It's really hard to turn that baby around. So I'm just saying, if you want to end up in a non-gamey relationship, then start it that way. Because if you start it from an authentic place where you're not going to play games, where you're not withholding, where you're not trying to get the person to like you, 
where you're not managing your image. You're not trying to figure out what to say to get them interested in me. And when you're not playing the game and you're just going to come to, to them from your heart, authentically, from your heart, if they respond to that, it's because they want to be in a relationship that comes from the heart. <laughs> and now you've started the relationship based upon authentically with each person coming from their heart and revealing their heart. That relationship is pretty hard to turn around to, but who would want to? Because that's what you want to end up in. Do you follow me? So in the first 10 minutes, here's the point. Start the relationship the way you want it to end up. Hear that. Start the relationship the way you want it to end up. So what does that mean? That means in the first 10 minutes, be as authentic and real and transparent as possible. Because that's what you want to end up in, right? Where you're with someone, you don't have to guess what they're feeling and what they want and how they feel about you. You're open, you're honest, you're transparent, you reveal your feelings, you, you share things that are bothering you. You let a person know when you're triggered by something. You're not afraid to let them know you're scared about something or worried about something. You know, you just live out loud with your partner. You, you just, you have intimacy, right? It's like you're naked and unashamed. You know, remember the old Adam and Eve story? They were in the garden. They were naked and unashamed. <laughs> and that doesn't refer to their clothes. It's a spiritual text, right? They were... There was nothing covered, nothing hidden, nothing was hidden. There were no secrets. They're like, here I am. Take a look. Warts and all, right? And there was no shame. There was no judgment. They're like, I see you. I see all of you. I love you as you are. But see, in the beginning, when we're playing the game, we're too afraid to let someone see. To, we're too afraid to date naked. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're too afraid to to just let a person know how we're feeling and where we where we are and how we feel about them it's like oh i could never say this or i could never say that i could that would scare them away they would think i'm needy they would think i'm neurotic they would think i'm uh, whatever it might be so i can't really be honest about myself and how i feel about them and what what i'm sort of thinking about in my head and what emotions i'm feeling in this moment Nope, nope, nope. I'm too afraid to do that. I'm going to play a game. And then you end up b building a relationship on a foundation of games and see where that takes you. Okay? So the other way that you can start a relationship in those first 10 minutes is to come from trust. Now, this is not that easy. Trust says, I am more interested in being an authentic person than I am in getting a date. I'm more interested in just being real than I am in getting an outcome that I desire. Like, I don't care whether you like me or not. I would like you to because you're cute, right? You're hot. I'd like you to. But I'm not going to pull the levers and turn the knobs to get it done. I'm just going to be authentic. I'm going to be real. I'm just going to... I'm coming from a place of trust. Meaning... If, if you if you see the real me and you don't like it, great, fine. 
Not everyone's going to like your authenticity, right? Newsflash, not everyone's going to be going to like your authenticity, but you're coming from trust. So I don't care because the alternative is I'm going to have to act like someone I'm not. And then you fall in love with that person, but it's all fake. And then you say, oh, well, the honeymoon's over. What does that mean? That means you were faking it. And now the other person is seeing the real you. And now they're like, who is this person? (laughs) Right? So when you're coming from trust, you're just in such a grounded place where you're trusting life itself. Like, I'm not playing no game. I'm just going to, whether I'm neurotic or not, doesn't matter to me. If I'm needy, so be it. I'm needy. If I have desperate energy, I don't care. That's just, that's just my reality. I'm not going to hide who I am, whether it's right, wrong, good, or bad. I'm just going to be an authentic person. If I'm insecure, well, I guess I'll let them know I'm insecure. I mean, whatever it might be. I'm just not playing games. Now, not everyone will like you, but the person who does is the person who wants to be in an authentic relationship. And when they see you naked and they see some of the parts that, you know, you might be inclined to want to hide or, or not let them know that you can be insecure or jealous or a little needy or that you're really lonely, that you, you know, that you haven't been in a relationship for a while and you're just sick of it. And, you know, when you're really wanting to meet someone and you're really like, you're like that ripe apple that's hanging off that you're just so ready to be picked, right? You know, oh, I can't let them know that because that would push somebody away. Well, when you're coming from trust, you say, okay, if that pushes someone away, then I don't want them because they don't want me because this is me. So screw it. I don't care. I'm not going to give up myself to get you to like me. And that's the option here. So what I say from a conscious perspective is in the first 10 minutes, start the relationship the way you'd like it to end up. Be real. Be authentic. If you're on a first date, right, and and you're just, or you meet someone for the first time. I mean, just... You're bumping into each other somewhere, maybe at a bar, a networking event, business event, and you start chatting right there. Um, And in your head, you're going, oh, my God, this person feels amazing to me. I'm so hoping they ask for my number because, man, oh, man, I'm a sure thing. (laughs) You know, then I just tell that to them. Say, listen, as we're talking here, I'm like, I'm already hoping you ask me out. Are you ever going to ask me out? Are you gonna, or are you too scared? You just smile at him, right? You're, you're just telling him, I'm a sure thing, right? I'm, I'm into you. If you think that's needy, fine. If you think that's too forward and it turns you off, fine. But the reality is that is how I'm feeling. That, that is what's going on inside of me. I'm already thinking our children are going to be beautiful, Right? <laughs> So you just be, you're, what, 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 are you, what are you doing? You're being vulnerable. You're, you're just letting the person know, like, I'm really interested. You're not going to play that coy, hard to get thing. The guys aren't going to be like cocky and funny and they're making fun of you and they're acting like they're not really interested. But in your heart, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, I would kill to, to, to get a date with this woman. I would do anything to spend some time with her alone. Well, then, damn it, come out and just say that to her. Like, I would do anything, anything, you name it, girl, to get, to get a date with you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, 
Just be real. Now, it will turn some people off because some people want to play games. They really do. Some people want to play the game. So you have to decide which one, which way do you want to be? Do you want to play games and attract people that really do want to play games? And then do you, you want to do that? I can't believe you do. But if you want that authentic relationship where you're open and honest and transparent, then start that way. And it's scary as hell to reveal yourself and to be vulnerable, to let some, to appear needy. I mean, what's so bad about being needy? You're lonely. You're single. You don't want to be. What's wrong with letting a person know that? What's wrong with saying, what's a girl got to do to get a guy like you to ask for her phone number and, and give him a little smile? What's wrong with that? Oh, my God. Well, he's, he's going to know, and then he has all the power, and then he could reject me, and it would really hurt. Yeah, so what? Is it going to kill you? Because he could reject you when you're playing the game, too, and that still hurts. So, yeah, but I really put myself out there. I really made myself vulnerable, and, and he just stepped on my heart. Okay, yeah, that sucks. But what's the alternative? Protect your heart, play some game? You know, I can tell you this. There's a lot of men who, um, because of their own ego, they won't ask a person out unless they know for sure that they're going to get a yes. Like if they get, if a man gets any sense that I'm going to get shot down, a lot of them won't even ask because they don't, because it hurts too much. So if you don't give off some very clear signals that if you ask, there's a good chance. <laughs> if you aren't letting him know how you really feel, he he might be totally into you, but he's not picking up that he's going to be successful. You're playing coy. You're playing like, oh, I don't know. You know, and you're, you're doing that game that all these other damn dating coaches teach you how to do and all these YouTube stupid videos, you know, you're, and he's like, I don't think she's into me. So he's not going to ask. Why would I want to ask and have you say, oh, sorry, uh, my sister's coming in from Poughkeepsie and uh, I'm going to be busy for three years. You know, why do I want to get that response? But he might ask you out if he knew you were a sure thing. And if you are a sure thing, then let him know. And this goes for guys too. Okay? So how do you want to do it in the first 10 minutes? Okay? Now, the last thing I'm going to give you, I'm just going to give you three things here. We're getting close to an hour already. Is... In the attraction phase, um, you should pay attention to your profile. You should pay attention to your online presence. Now, there are some of you that say, I just, I hate online that, my online dating. I'm not going to do it. Oh, that's fine. You can probably skip this little pointer. Although maybe you should listen because maybe the way I'm suggesting might give you a new hope. But if you're someone that says, I don't want to go to bars, don't go to bars. If you're with someone who says, I don't, I hate online dating, I'm not doing it, then don't do it. I mean, there are people who have met through the centuries that didn't use online dating or go to bars and people have been meeting each other and the race has been continuing for, you know, tens of thousands of years. So there isn't anything you have to do to find a partner because I could give you a thousand examples of people that didn't do any of those things and they found a partner, right? So, but if you are 
interested, there is a particular way to present yourself online that will give you a much better chance at success. And I frankly have never heard anyone share this perspective. I mean, may, I don't listen to a bunch of other dating coaches, just so you know, relationship goes, I don't, I don't want to be tempted to steal anybody's stuff. So perhaps other people teach this, though I've never heard anyone and I've never had any of my clients say, oh yeah, I've heard that dating coach or this relationship expert, they teach basically the same thing. I've never had that, never heard that, but that doesn't mean it's not true. But here's what I will say. The biggest mistake that you can make with your online profile, I don't care whether it's with Bumble or eHarmony or Match.com or whatever. I mean, all these apps are different. Some allow longer profiles than others. Some are more in-depth. Some are more basic, whatever, okay? But the biggest mistake is that a person thinks, okay, so I'm going online. There's going to be hundreds, maybe thousands of people who see this. So I want to write something that's just kind of general, a very general, basic profile that will appeal to the masses. I want to present myself in, you know, very general, very friendly, you know, nice ways because there's so many people going to see this that I want to, I want to write a profile that's going to appeal to the masses. That is the biggest mistake you will ever make in online dating. First of all, you can't date the masses. If you do that and you, you get 300 responses, what are you going to do with that? Okay. And the other part is when you make an, a, a, just, you just have a general profile, you know, that's just giving, you know, here's, here's a little bit about me. Here's a little bit what I'm looking for. I like this. I don't like that. And you're just saying, Hey man, lots of people are going to listen to this. So I want to just give a general thing. Well, then you're, you're going to get people contacting you and you're going to discover they aren't themselves anything that you're interested in. They might be interested in the general way you presented yourself, but they might not be the kind of man or woman that you're interested in. So here's the shift. You write your profile. You first envision the type of person that you would love to be with. You just envision them and you write your profile as if they're sitting in the kitchen with you on the other side of your computer. In other words, you write your profile to one single person, to the person that you have in mind. And you want to write something very personal and very specific about who you are and sort of what you have to offer, why you would be a good partner for them. You actually want to write a profile in a sense telling this person that you envision why they should want to be with you. You follow me? You ain't writing to the masses. You're writing to one person and you're writing something directly to them. And so therefore, it's not going to be some general description about, well, you know, I'd like to go to the beach and have a glass of wine and I like to dance. You know, some guys saying, you know, I, I like sports and, uh, you know, I have a job and no, you're going to, you're going to be much more specific about here is what I have to offer in intimacy. 
Here is why you want to be in a relationship with me. Because think of it this way. When you meet someone and you have the intention of, I want to create a long-term committed relationship, what are you actually asking? You're asking that other person to basically rearrange their entire life and put you right in the middle of it, aren't you? Right? They've got a life. Their schedule's full. They have friends and family and hobbies and interests and they work, right? They, they have a life. They have a life, right? And you're asking them to be so interested in you that they are willing to rearrange all of that and put you right in the center of it. Isn't that, that, that really is the truth, isn't it? Okay, so why in the world would someone do that for you? Why should you rearrange your entire life and put me right in the middle of it? What could I say as a man in my profile to the woman I want to be with? What could I say in this profile to show her that that would be a wise thing to do? How could I, quote, sell myself? How could I communicate the, the way I'm present, the way I love, the way I live my life, the way I show up in a relationship? How can I describe that so she goes, that is what I'm looking for, right? So you don't want to write a profile to the masses and be something general and superficial, something that everybody's saying. Now, you want to ask yourself, why would a person want me? What do I have to offer? What is my gift in intimacy? Why would a person want to rearrange their entire life and put me right in the middle of it? Like, what do I have to offer? That's what you say in your profile. And you're saying it to one single person. Now, hundreds of people are going to read it. And let me tell you, when you do this, you're going to get responses from people that go, who the hell do you think you are? Some people are going to be offended by it because of the way you're expressing yourself, the vulnerability, the personal nature of it. Again, you never say anything sexual. If you do that, you just get sexual responses and that that's probably not what you're interested in. You probably want more than just to get laid. If you want to get laid, a woman, a woman can always get laid. <laughs> Anytime you want, <laughs> go to a bar and say, I, I, need to, I need to have sex tonight. Anybody willing? You, I guarantee within three seconds, you're going to be able to go home with someone. Okay, so um, you're not looking for sex. So don't say something sexual, but you are going to say something personal. You are going to say, you know, this is the man that I want to be with. And this is why I think I would be a great partner with you. This is how I could make your life better. This is, this is what I bring to the table. This is why you would want to meet me in a sense, right? Now, when you write that, some people are going to be offended about that. They're going to, you know, how snarky people are online, but there are going to be people, I can tell you this from experience, they're going to write back to you and say, I want to meet the man or I want to meet the woman that wrote that because that came from your heart. You shared something that you want to offer in a relationship. You didn't spend all your time telling me what you want to get and who you want. That's how most profiles are. I want you to have this quality and this quality and this quality and this quality. And I want you to have this kind of thing in your life and this. And this. It's, it's all selfish. 
It's all about what you want. But when you write a profile I'm talking about, you're talking about yourself. Here's what I want to give. Here are my gifts. And here is the type of person that I think that I would be an incredible fit with because I have these gifts and because I want to give them an intimacy. I want to give my partner this aspect of who I am. So you're writing a profile about what you want to give to someone, not what you want to get. And right there, you will set yourself apart from everybody else online. And it's going to jump off the page to a person of depth. To the shallow people that are just wanting to hook up and have a good time, they're, they're going to either be offended by it or they're going to be confused by it or they're not going to be interested. But a person who's online and looking for someone of substance, someone like you, looking for someone of some depth, someone like you, looking for someone of some degree of consciousness or spirituality and a d- desire for personal growth, someone like you. When they read that, they'll be like, holy crap, I got to meet him or her. Because they just didn't say, I like to dance and go to the beach and have a glass of wine. So yeah, whatever, click, click, delete, 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 delete. And then they come across your profile and the first thing out of your mouth, maybe as a woman, is saying, I'm attracted to a man who's living his life with great purpose. He feels like he knows why he's alive and he's here to do something special with his life. And the reason I think that I would be a great partner for that guy is because of the way I love is very supportive. The way I interact is very encouraging. Like being around me for this man who's busy kicking ass and taking names in the world would be like going to Hawaii on vacation. Like I have a relaxing energy. I've got a a playful sense of humor. Um, And I would just be a good fit for a man who is on his edge, you know, trying to make a difference in the world. Okay. How about that for a first paragraph? What do you think is going to happen? That man is going to say, holy crap. That person didn't say, I like to go to the beach and have a glass of wine. Right? Like, My God, that person thought about something here. That person's sharing their heart with me. That person is sharing what they want to give to me. I want to meet that person. That's how you write a profile. Now, I help my clients do that. I don't write it for them. It's got to be in your words. But very often I talk with my clients and I help them discover what their gift and intimacy is. A lot of people don't know They can't answer that question. Why should a person rearrange their entire life and put me in the middle of it? They don't know how to answer that. Well, if you don't know how to answer that, you're never going to have, that will never happen to you. You you need to know what, what that is. I know what it is for me. I knew why when I met the, you know, my wife, I knew why she should rearrange her entire life and put me right in the middle of it. It's because my sense of humor can open her heart when she feels stuck and sort of wrapped up in emotions and people and drama. That my my sense of humor can cut through all that and touch her in a way to help her take a breath and to relax and to, 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 to just chill. And secondly, it's my presence. The space I create for her. 
the safe place where she can share her feelings, where she can be herself and not be judged. The the clarity of how I'm living my own life. I know where I'm going. I know what I want to do. I know what path I'm on. And I can I can offer not not to teach her, that would be weird. Um but my my clarity there offers her a kind of relaxation, like, all right, he's on his game. I can trust this guy. I know what he's about. You follow me? That's why she should arrange her entire life and put me in the middle of it. Because of the depth of my presence and my sense of humor. Okay? So if I wrote a profile today, what do you think it would say? <laughs> it would say those things. This is what I have to offer, my sense of humor, and here's how it benefits in a relationship. And and the depth of my consciousness, the depth of my presence, the the spirituality that with which I live my life, th- this is what it would do for you. This is what it would do for a relationship. It's what I have to offer. And I'm sure that I would get some deep women coming out of the woodwork online to say, I want to meet that guy. Because he's not saying, oh, I like the Chicago Bears, you know, and I drink beer and I play golf on the weekends, you know, all of which are true of me. (laughs) I do like the Bears. I do play golf and I do like an occasional beer, (laughs) right? But that's not a reason to rearrange my entire life and put me in the middle of it. Heavens no. So don't write a profile to the masses. Write it from your heart and tell them why they should want to be with you. Okay? So there you go. There are three basic things that you need to be looking at in the attraction phase. You need to be looking at the two kinds of chemistry. Is it the healthy kind or the unhealthy kind? You need to be talking about, like, okay, how am I going to play it in the first 10 minutes? Am I going to come from fear and play games or am I going to come from trust and come from my heart? And then lastly, you probably should consider, because most people do online dating, how am I going to present myself online? Am I going to be general and superficial and appeal to the masses? Or am I going to imagine there's one person out there and I'm going to tell him what, him or her why they should want to meet me and what I have to offer them? There you go. Now, with each one of these phases, the last thing I'm going to do is answer the question, how do you know when this phase is finished and you're ready to make the transition? So how do you know when the attraction phase is over? Well, this is the only phase that can last basically less than 30 seconds. This whole phase. Because sometimes you just fucking know, don't you? It's like, oh my God, there's plenty of chemistry here. But I'm not in some persona. It's like, I'm attracted. Like, I want to get to know this person. I don't want to date anybody else right now. I want to give this relationship the space to see where this goes. Because the juice is there. It does not take you long to know if the juice is there. In fact, I think this might be true for women, but sometimes women can tell whether there's chemistry and whether a man is trustable before you even open your mouth. Because they live in an energetic plane that most men don't. They can feel you. (laughs) So the attraction phase can come very quickly. 
and you can you can say, okay, there's plenty of attraction here, and it's the healthy kind, and I'm not playing some game because I'm just relating from my heart, and you probably told them, oh my God, I feel so much chemistry with you. Like, you know, like I want to rip your clothes off right now, although it's not going to happen, but I can feel that I want to because <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I feel that kind of sexual energy, but nah, uh, uh, nope, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to do it, but man, do I feel it, right? So right there, you're done with the, the attraction phase. Now you're on to the next phase, which takes time. Attraction happens quickly. You can know it right away. I usually tell people, if you've been on like three dates with someone, and you're still sort of wondering, eh, is there enough attraction there? Do I have a, is there enough chemistry? The answer is no. If after three dates, you don't feel like, oh yeah, like I don't want to see anybody else. I want to see where this goes. If you don't feel that after three dates, chances are it's not going to happen. I mean, you could probably tell me someone who dated someone for six months and then and they never really felt it. And then all of a sudden, it really shifted. I guess you could come up with, there's exceptions to every rule. But if after three dates, you're not feeling it, why in the world would you push it? Unless you thought, you know, there are so few men or women in the world that I better take what I can get, right? But if you don't subscribe to a scarcity view, if you take the view of that song from the 80s, it's raining men, it's raining women. If there are plenty of available partners out there in the world, which there are, then why would you force it? Why would you try to make yourself feel something? Wouldn't you just let him go and just make room for a person that after 30 seconds, you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. That's what I'm talking about. Now we're on to the compatibility phase. We need to explore, do we have something more than chemistry? So next time, that's where we go. Chemistry kind of gets you into the relationship, but compatibility is what's necessary to make it last. And there's a lot to be said about that. And we'll do it next time on the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. See you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.